turning, I guess, to the the kind of meat of the essay, you you distinguish between, you know, what are kind of two two strands of American gentry, and the first is one that most people I think are already familiar with, and it's the kind that mostly dominates the cultural imagination. So. You know, the jet setting, cosmopolitan, big bourgeoisie, the, the kind one associates with, you know, Ivy League uh, degrees, Martha's Vineyard, you know, uh, high finance, etc. But you write, uh, quote, the reality of American wealth and power is more banal. So with, with that in mind, how would you characterize the second strand? What's its composition as a class? What's its geographic distribution? Is it mostly an urban or a rural phenomenon so i would say it's it's exurban and rural um i think that the united states is full of like these kind of small metro areas that have a hundred thousand people two hundred thousand people maybe up to a half a million people it's like like bakersfield california uh you know fresno um odessa texas um, muncie indiana the united states is full of places like this that aren't small they may be quite proximate to a large metropolitan area but they are their own little world and i think these are the places that breed this kind of local uh, that breed this kind of local gentry they're places where um, social relationships, um, I, I think, play a much heavier role in, in kind of mediating market relations. Uh, so you're you're much more likely in a place like that to give the contract to build a big thing to somebody that you know, as opposed to it just being you know an international construction company that comes in and, and puts down a bid. Um, there's it's not that those relationships don't exist in big urban areas, and they too have their powerful families and their dynasties. Um, but in these places, I think they're much more salient because there is no uh, global or national point of reference for them. So. Um, I think that it's it's an exurban and a rural phenomenon. I think it's it's pretty familiar to people who have who have grown up in places like this. That like you know you know the people. They may have you may have different names for them. You may call them the local royalty. Uh, they're uh, you know some particular number of families who are kind of the founding generation of a place, or, or so on and so forth. Right. Um, and so let's let's kind of tease that out a little bit more. I mean, um, you know. There's something that you observed and you've kind of alluded to it already about this group's class identity. Uh, you know, their wealth is is most likely rooted in the ownership of physical assets. And that's something that in your piece, you argue, is quite formative to uh, their to their you know cultural and, and political identity. And which is an important point of distinction from the more visible kind of American gentry, this particular way of, or this particular pattern of, of ownership. Can you, can you expand uh, on that a little bit some more? Yeah, absolutely. So the, I, I think that is absolutely foundational to, to what this class is it, it, in terms of um, how it plays into the power structure of the, of the local areas that it inhabits, and also in terms of how it sees and how it understands itself. Like I, This didn't occur to me as I was writing the piece, and I wish I'd put it in there, but I think back to the 2012 election. I know this is a long way back now, but um, when, Obama, uh, when Obama was castigated by Republicans for saying, you know, you didn't build that, um, talking about the role of government in, in, in creating economic prosperity, and the refrain at the Republican National Convention that year, um, you know, kind of led in chance was we built it. We built it. Um, and that's this group of people, because I, I think for them, they see the physical output of their ownership constantly. You know, they see if you own a construction company, you see the buildings you build. 